Hi, welcome along to another edition of NCBI's podcast. My name is Kevin Kelly. I'm the Head of Advocacy with NCBI. Today on the podcast, we are going to discuss an eye condition which will be very familiar to many of you as you listen to it. You may well have the condition uh, yourself or someone in your family may have, and that is AMD. And I'm delighted uh, to say that I'm joined on the podcast by Maria McGowley, who recently was diagnosed with uh, AMD. Uh, Maria, very welcome to NCBI's podcast and thanks for giving up the time to chat to us. No problem at all and thank you for having me. So uh, 18 months ago, uh, I believe uh, you woke up and you realised you were having uh, trouble with your eyes. Yes, that's correct. Um, I couldn't see out of my um, my left eye. Um, I had blurred vision, so um, I got a bit of a fright. Yeah, and, and where where did you go uh, from from there? Did you wait long before you sought medical inter- intervention? No, that same day I went to the opticians who gave me sent a letter to my GB. Um, and then when I went to visit the GP, he sent me straight into the Eye and Ear um, Hospital. Yeah, and when you so arrived... It was all quite, sorry, it was all quite quick. Yes, all, all very quick. And yeah. when you arrived in the um, uh, A&E, uh, uh, what happened? How quickly did they diagnose uh, you with AMD? Um, almost immediately, but I also had a slight complication because I had a, a minor bleed at that stage at the back of my left eye, um, which they diagnosed that day and said it would need an operation, um, and they would organise that. And I was due to have it within about less than a week. Um, they wanted to do it fairly quickly, but um, as it turned out, I needed it quicker than that because the bleed um, became worse. Um, It increased. So um, I was brought in then the following Thursday into um, the eye and ear for surgery on the back of my eye. Yeah, as someone uh, myself uh, who um, suffered um, sudden um, sight loss, which remained permanent sight loss, putting myself in your shoes on that particular day, I'm sure it was quite a shock. Oh, it was very scary. Um, Yeah, it was an awful shock. And even though my mother had had macular degeneration when she was alive, and I knew a bit about it, not an awful lot, but I did know a little bit about it. But it just, the whole thing just came as a huge shock to me. Um, because I was working up to that day and um, my whole world kind of fell apart in the space of a few hours um, until I, I, you know, learned more about it and came to terms with what was happening to me. Yeah. No, that's um, very interesting because we've uh, spoken to other uh, people who've been diagnosed with uh, AMD and prior to diagnosis they would have uh, reported difficulties doing daily activities like reading or w- watching the uh, TV. But from what, what you're saying and what you uh, very kindly described, that wasn't the case for you. You were still working away and continuing as normal. I was and I was. I, I drove um, 
the day before I drove to work. So I was still doing everyday activities, yeah, um, and, and working. So, yeah, no, it all was, it was all very sudden and, um, yeah, quite a shock, really. Um, because my, when my mother had it, her sight slowly deteriorated. And from anyone I've talked to, that's generally the case. It slowly deteriorates, not rapid like happened to me. And at the time, did you feel um, supported and did you get enough uh, emotional uh, support? Um, no, well, I didn't feel that supported, but I think it was more me coming to terms with what was happening to me than um, me actually looking for support because I didn't know where to go looking for support or, you know, I didn't know enough about anything, really. Um, now, this, the social worker in um, in the Ear Hospital um, proved to be very helpful, in, you know, after a while. But it did take a little while for me to actually make contact with her and then accept the contact. Um, because it's one thing knowing something, but it's another thing admitting to yourself that this is happening to you. Yeah, and um, what you're describing is uh, very uh, uh, common because I think everyone has all been unique and different. We all come to terms with things differently and we're maybe not always ready to accept uh, support and guidance and maybe face up to our new situation or our new reality on a given time. So I'm glad to hear that you eventually got the support that you... Oh, I uh, did, yes, yes, yes. Yes, you know, that's uh, very reassuring to hear. And and in terms of, I, I know the, the medical team had to overcome the complication with the um, the bleed, but when, when they did that, um, I believe you uh, received monthly injections now for uh, AMD? I do, yes, yeah. Um... I've yeah, I've, and I have done since um, I had the surgery. Um, except I've I had to stop it for a little while because I also have um, lung cancer, so I've been receiving treatment for that. So um, there was one or two months I missed the injections, but I'm hopefully back on track now. So um, they, they'll continue because they do improve it. Yeah. Yeah, no, you, you certainly have had uh, a, a lot uh, on your <laughs> plate, a lot to overcome over a short uh, uh, period of time. And if you don't mind me um, asking um, for a lot of our listeners, the idea of getting an injection into your eye, um, was that difficult to come to terms with? Um, how would you describe it? Uh, do you still dread going for the injection? Um, I wouldn't say I dread it, but I don't particularly like it. But um, from the very first one, I was very lucky. I had a lovely doctor who gave me the first two injections. I have both eyes injected on the same day. Um, and he was very caring and um, very gentle with me. And he relieved a lot of my fears. Um, and while they're not pleasant, they don't hurt as, as such, you know, they're they're uncomfortable, but that's all. You couldn't say they hurt. Um, and an awful lot of it is getting over that initial fear. Um, 
you know, and I think that's difficult for people. Um, but if you just kind of brace yourself and just say, well, this is for my good and nobody else's, so you just put up with it and shut up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, for the uh, the great the greater uh, good, uh, and uh, it's not, it's not pleasant, but uh, you just have to get on with it, and hopefully well, it, it. Bear, bears results. And and I suppose you know, eighteen months on, you have your cancer diagnosis, you have your AMD diagnosis, but are you optimistic uh, about the future? What's your hopes and uh, aspirations? I am. I am. Well, I'm an optimistic person, so there's always light at the end of the tunnel um, and you just strive to get that light and you just have to keep fighting and you put the best foot forward. Yeah. And, and you make the best of it. Yeah. And and looking like um, things like learning how to use assistive technology and magnification, have you started that or is that something that uh, you hope to do in the coming months? Yeah, no, I've started that. I use a magnifying glass now to read the paper or, or to read correspondence and that. Um, where I'm having the biggest difficulty, but I will um, look for assistance later on, is with using the computer. Because I would use the computer a lot, but I find it difficult to see. Now, they, I did go in to NCBI and they were extremely helpful and showed me how to um, magnify it on the screen. But um, that's okay for over a short period, but your eyes get very tired. Well, I find mine get very tired if I do that for a long time. So I reckon they're, I'm either not using it properly or um, I need more training on it, which I will access now as soon as I'm clear of everything else. Yeah, and I know, and I know something else that you're um, concerned about or frustrated about is the cost of the assistive uh, technology, and it's something that NCBI regularly uh, campaign to uh, government uh, on to improve uh, supports um, in that regard because it's so very uh, important to allow people to live their lives uh, as normally as possible. Well, yes, and like the if you're I'm a pensioner, so like since I had to give up work, I'm only on a pension. And to pay for the um, software and all of that stuff out of a pension is just not affordable. So um, it does make it more difficult when, you know, things cost so much. Um, it, it, it does deny you access to different supports. Yeah, it is quite uh, inequitable uh, in terms of a system because um, uh, what other um, people have reported, and, and we know this uh, from the, the evidence, is that it really has become a postcode lottery. So it's done on HSE areas, and there's nine HSE areas uh, in the country, and some areas have money for this sort of uh, support, uh, some don't, and it really shouldn't be a postcode uh, lottery. You should be able to access the same support as somebody in, in, in Donegal or Wexford. Well, true, yeah, you should. I mean, you're as entitled to it as anybody else in the country, so yeah, it, it should be open to everyone. Yeah, and Maria, just before uh, we we um, wrap up, um, would you have any messages for anyone who has 
received a diagnosis of sight loss. It doesn't have to be uh, AMD um, in terms of, you know, coming to terms with that or maybe helps in, or supports that you found uh, useful. Well, I, I think that, um, there are lots of supports there and it's, it's just accepting that you do, do need help. To me, that was the biggest problem, accepting that I needed help and that I had to ask for it. Um, but if you ask for it, it is there and access every bit of help you can get. Great. Well, uh, my sincere thanks for taking the time to uh, speak to us on NCBI's uh, podcast. That, that was Maria McCauley in conversation with me, Kevin Kelly, about her recent AMD diagnosis. I'm sure you will agree that was a very powerful interview and we're very grateful in NCBI for Maria sharing her story. If you or anyone in your family has recently received an eye diagnosis, you can call 1850 334353 and we will be happy to redirect you into our array of services. Remember, you can find previous NCBI podcasts across our social media and on YouTube.